The following podcast has been rated R because we say fuck a lot. What's the big deal? It doesn't hurt anybody. Fuck, 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 fuck. Parental guidance is suggested. Hi, this is Uwe Ball. If you want to help support the podcast on this network, go to rogueintel.com. Thank you and go fuck yourself. TableReadsPodcast.com Lights, camera, action. When a script is written that is so bad that no one will film it, two men will bring it to life just so they can mock it. This is Table Reads. So the movie's kaput, which means your script ain't worth the buffalo shit on a nickel. Table Reads. With Sean McBee and Trevor Thompson. With special guest, Kelly Levier. Hey, everybody. So, uh, we're starting on episode 51 of Table Reads, which is part two of Roger Rabbit 2 Toon Patrol. I still can't believe we didn't have cake of some sort for uh, 50. It's the Toon Patrol! Yeah, we should have gotten we, a cake. We should have had cake. I mean, you guys have both turned 50. Wasn't it like a big momentous occasion? Oh, Kelly, look at you getting fired. <laughs> you goddamn harpy. So, um... This is actually good, and it's bothering me. Yeah. It's, it's, it's fucking with me. Yeah, the, well, you know, it... it you know, Roger Rabbit is one of our all-time favorite movies, and yet we've, you know, you one would say, well, you know, a Roger Rabbit sequel, I mean, there's little chance it could stink, right? But if it's one thing this podcast has taught me, it's that just because it was a, you know, a good idea once, I mean, there've been, <laughs> Beetlejuice goes Hawaiian, that sounds like a great idea. How could that Stop fail? It. And yet it did. You never underestimate it. Probably not even Tim Burton. Or Jonathan Gems. <laughs> Fuck Jonathan Gems. Oh, wow, you remembered his name. I oh, for- yeah. I forgot Yeah, his he's name. my new nemesis. You have I a nemesis. I kind of want him to die. You have a nemesis. <laughs> yeah. I've always wanted one. So, um... God damn it, I'm right here. Anyway, why don't we f- find out what's been going on? Previously on Table Reads. Thank you, Trevor. We start on a Kansas farm in 1941, as a young boy named Roger celebrates his 18th birthday, the day his parents have decided to reveal that he is adopted, and that he isn't really a boy at all, but a cartoon rabbit. Deciding to set off in search of his real mother, Roger hitches a ride with the first car to run over him, driven by his new traveling partner, Richie. Arriving in Hollywood with no leads, Roger bursts into a radio production in an attempt to enlist the help of the show's fictional detective in finding his mother. Clearly, this doesn't work. But it does result in meeting a girl named Jessica. Dun dun dun! Fade in. Exterior, office building, street day. Office building street, I guess. Richie, 
carrying a copy of Variety, arrives at an office whose door reads Binet and Stein Talent Agency. He checks his list, has a quick look at himself in a plate glass window, then opens the door. Just another guy his age is just as another guy his age is being shoved out by a cigar chomping agent type. Look, Trevor, kid, you there's a good thousand good looking voice. guys just like you. Some not so good looking. Give yourself a break. Go back to Ohio. Uh, when he said some not so looking, he indicated Richie. So that's not great. Richie from True Romance. For Richie. Rip his self esteem. He slams the door in the guy's face. The guy starts off the block. Richie crosses the agent's name off his list, then has one more look at himself in the window. What's he talking about? Now, Richie starts walking up the block, passing a line of armed forces recruiting stations. First the Army, then the Navy, and finally he stops in front of an Air Force poster. It features a fighter, a fighter plane blah, blah, soaring out of the clouds. A logo underneath reads, Air Force, the sky's the limit. Richie just looks at it a moment. Then the door opens and Sergeant Belinsky, a burly guy in his 40s, comes out and puts an arm around Richie's shoulder. He's whistling, off we go into the wild blue yonder. Richie tenses a bit. Who's, who's he? Who's Sergeant Belinsky? Well, he's a burly dude. I think it should be you. You're also closer to your 40s than I am. <laughs> so how about it? You want to be a fighter jockey? No thanks, Sarge. Come on, buddy. Points to the poster. That could be you up there. I said no thanks. I got better things to do. Belinsky reacts to this, takes his arm away. Okay. It's just as well, kid. Air Force is pretty particular about who we take. Yeah. I hear you gotta be either a fruit or an ass wipe. You mean wow. like you mean like those Fighting guys? Richie turns, reacts. We see three rather large uniformed Air Force cadets standing at the doorway, glaring at him. Richie offers a weak smile. Exterior, Rabbit Punch Lounge, day. A neon sign hangs over the door. There's a caricature of a smiling rabbit wearing a sailor's cap and boxing gloves. Tilt down to reveal the window, decorated with nautical trappings. A small cardboard sign in the bottom of the window reads, No Tunes! Fucking racists. A beat, then Roger bursts out of the door and races up the block, followed by three large uniformed Navy sailors in hot pursuit. He's holding his photograph. I mean, calls it out. I said my mother had a nice tail, not yours. Exterior, nearby street, day. Richie sprints up another block with the three Air Force thugs right on his tail. He crosses the street, dodging cars, finally hopping over the hood of one, and tears around a corner. Exterior street, day, where Roger continues his flight from the sailors, swerving back and forth, then ducking into a crowded red car, which starts to move right after the sailors get on board after him. Oh, a crowded red car. Not a red car, but a red I forgot. car. Yeah, a Wait, red what? car. They, What's the difference? It's, it's, the, uh, it's like their... They used to exist. Uh, cable transit. car system. Yeah. 
Uh, in California. Wait, what city are we in right now? Oh, yeah, LA. yeah that's right. Uh, the whole first movie is about the red car, kind of. Oh, okay, that's probably good background. Um, a crowded red car, which starts to move right after the sailors get on board after him. We hear Roger's voice from inside the car as it moves down the block. Pardon me, give me, pardon, please. Oh, oh thank you, coming through, pardon, give me, pardon, thank you, pardon, give me. The red car stops again and Roger bursts out of the back door. He races up the block and turns into an alley. A moment, then Richie runs around the corner, looks over his shoulder at the Air Force guys about a half block behind him, then ducks into the same alley. Exterior, alley, day. God, we need some dialogue. As Richie continues to run, he glances back and now sees the sailors running towards him. Totally baffled, he whacks his head with his hand, then turns around again to see the Air Force guys running in as well. Richie runs even faster now, takes a left, runs a bit more, then realizes he's headed straight for a dead end. He goes to the end, looks around. It's hopeless. Then he hears... Richie! Hey! Hey, Richie! Richie looks up. Roger is on the ledge of a fire escape, one story above. A ladder leads from the ground up to him. What are you doing here? Come on up! Hurry! Richie's POV, looking directly at Roger. We see Richie tense up again. Forget it! That's, that's the coward's way! The interbranch contingent runs around the corner, stops. They see their respective quarries trapped at the end, smile, and casually start walking towards them. Richie, come on! I can't, Roger. But you'll get... <laughs> but you'll get mortalized! They'll destroy, disrupt, and disgender you! And degender you! Myrtleized? Mortalize you! I have never heard Degender. that Degender? Myrtleize is the cartoon way of saying murder. Mm. Yeah. Because you can't actually say it for the children. Well, no, not, not you really. Back then. In the 40s, cartoons weren't just for kids. In fact, they were for everybody. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I mean, an itch in time ends with a cat shooting himself in the head. But the other thing they said was, instead of moron, they used to say maroon. That's where maroon cartoons comes from. Bugs Bunny used to say, what a maroon. Um, I can't. I told you. But it's only... Cuts him off. A burst. I'm scared of heights, okay? I get three feet off the ground and I... Three feet? I get three feet off the ground and I faint. I didn't quit flight school. I washed out. Boo. Roger reacts to this and a hand <laughs> comes into frame and spins Richie around. The three Air Force guys are right there. <sighs> I think Kelly should be the Air Force guy. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, Kelly, get militant with it. <laughs> you know, we're old, you're a guy. Yeah, it well, works with the line, time too. They found out. So, which one of us is the asswipe and which one's the fruit? The last thing Richie sees is the biggest guy's fist. Interior, apartment, day. It's small, with windows on either side of the living room. The blinds are drawn. We are close on Richie, lying on a sofa, are with they a cut drawn? to the bridge of his nose. Are they drawn because they're tune blinds? 
His shirt is rumpled up and torn. He slowly opens his eyes, reacts to Wendy Rowan, 22 and pretty. She leans over him, gently dabbing his wound with a damp washcloth. Wait, you're you're Wendy, right, Trevor? I I wasn't planning on being Wendy, no. You don't want to be 22 and pretty? It's not working well for you, is it? Oh, nice. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, uh, I'll, I'll do Wendy. How do I do Wendy? How should I do her? How no, Kelly hasn't done any voices yet. That's true. That is a cop the Air Force guy. I count. was just an Air Force guy. Yeah, but you I'm, know, it doesn't count. I don't appreciate you discrediting my hard work. <laughs> be Wendy. <laughs> Hi, you have red hair. You... How you feeling? Okay, I, I this guess. This music is all wrong. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, I guess. Who are you? Wendy Rowan. It's Jessica's roommate. We live down the hall. Indicates room. How do you like your new place? Huh? Your friend Roger rented it out for the two of you. What? Easy, easy. You know, you're lucky. Not that many places take tunes. Hey, I don't give a flying frig what they take. All I know is... What floor are we on? First... Safe and sound here on the good old 47th floor. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, well, anyway, that dumb rabbit's been nothing but bad luck since the day I hit him. And who the hell is Jessica? Looks at him a beat. I was wondering why anyone would want to beat the crap out of such a nice looking guy. Now I know. It's Richie that- reacts as the door swings open and Roger enters with a couple of grocery bags. Hiya, Rumi! Oh. Oh, still feeling a little bruised, battered, and bewildered? Well, I've got the perfect thing! Opening the bag. You just... Oh. You just mix a little as... Oh, I can't see any of this shit. You just... Ammonia. Words are hard. No, I got this thing fucking so low because my headache and, you know, I can't see anything. You just mix a little ammonia with some thumbtacks. It really hits the spot. I'm supposed to live with that? And I got everything else we need. Takes out items. Soap, Q-tips, his and his towels. Oh, and I want to show you some swatch, some swatches for new curtains. They're probably drawn. Why, why couldn't I have been blown up with the car? If I was you, I'd be thanking him. It's a real nice apartment. Just needs a little light. She opens the blinds on the right to reveal a half-open window looking out to an ordinary street with apartment buildings, cars, palm trees, etc. See? You get a lot of sun in the morning. Crosses to other side of room. And you'll have a hard time finding another place, especially one this cheap. She's at the other side now. She casually pulls open the blinds. Suddenly, a giant tune fly about the size of a basketball buzzes through the open window. Look out! Damn flops. So he's like right on the border of Toontown? <laughs> she shoes the fly out the window. Richie and Roger cross over. Their POV, Toontown. Trevor, there's music for that. Oh, yeah. 
cartoon city. Contain probably. your excitement. Yeah, that's it. As colorful and animated as ever. Tune buildings, tune cars in the street, not to mention the tunes themselves, walking, crawling, and flying in every direction. Thank you. We understand Rod- what Toontown is. Roger Jesus. is dazzled. <laughs> is he? What is that? Shrugs. Toontown. We're right next to it. Why do you think the rent's so low? Building <laughs> Toontown's the ghetto. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, dude. It's a lot easier to die in Toontown. Uh, well, also, it's probably pretty noisy. You ever try to sleep through Smile Darn You Smile? There's no way. Building excitement. This is it. She's out there somewhere. Now I know I'll find her. I'm. I'm. I keep going into SpongeBob. I think. Sorry. Uh, no, I would never place that as SpongeBob. Yeah, I have a better SpongeBob. I'm. I'm saying I'm veering off into SpongeBob and veering away from Roger. It's. It's still good. Sorry, it's a headache. Um. I'll be back with my mother, or my name isn't Roger Rabbit. Ah, we discussed this last episode, remember, whether his last name was Rabbit or whatever that family's last name was. Berkowitz. No, it wasn't Berkowitz. (laughs) It it also started with an R. It was like... uh, Rasputin. Yeah, let's go with that. Yeah, that's the one. Roger hops out the window and runs up the Toon Street, taking it all in. Wendy watches this, smiling, then closes the window. <laughs> you alright, Sean? You still with us? Uh-huh. Sean's just barely hanging on, folks. You He's see, a sweet has a little, little guy. Yeah. She was talking about Sean. She wasn't reading dialogue. <laughs> yeah, no, that was just for Sean. Yeah. Now lock it. Exterior, apartment, street, day. Later that day, Richie exits the building, still wearing the same torn, rumpled clothes. He looks around, starts walking up the street as Wendy comes out the door with a grocery list. Hi there. Hi. Well, I guess if you've kept a look that works, keep it. (laughs) Right now, it's the only one I got. Oh. Well, there's a men's shop next to the market, indicates the list. I'm picking up a few things. She starts walking down the block. Richie considers a beat, then catches up to her. Look, I'm sorry about before. It's been a rough couple of days. Roger told me you've been breaking into the movies. I haven't been trying since March. Yeah? You're an actress? What do you mean? You can't tell? That's okay. No one else can either. Actually, you look a lot like Carol Lombard, and you're just as snotty. You think so? Scout's honor. Anyway, Jessica promised she'd get me a job on one of her radio shows. You know, screaming or something. (laughs) The dream. (laughs) Yeah. You're pretty good at that? Just as a couple passes, then Wendy lets out a blood-curdling scream. Traffic squeals to a halt. Richie and the couple react with a start. Richie quickly covers her mouth with his hand. She doesn't get out much. Interior, food market, day. Wendy is at the checkout stand, unloading a cart full of groceries. 
The cashier, Doris, a pleasant middle-aged woman, is ringing up her purchases. There are a number of tunes in here doing their weekly shopping. 40 cents a pound for hamburger? You're killing me, Doris. We're lucky we can get it at all, honey. (laughs) That war in Europe. That's cool. You should totally do that. That war in Europe. I read everything's rationed over there. Can I just say for a second, just for facts, like, I don't know if this is supposed to be Eddie's girlfriend or not, because in the books, Dolores' name is Doris. Oh, no, it's not. Okay. Because this is a sequel to the movie. Oh, yeah, yeah, I guess it it would be Doris. It would be Dolores if it was Joanna Cassidy's character. Sorry, go ahead. During during their conversation, the Roadrunner approaches, carrying two boxes of birdseed somehow. He looks around. Express lanes open. The Roadrunner zips away, leaving a small cloud of smoke as an enormous matronly hippo enters, taps Doris on the shoulder. What, Trevor? Did you hear that? Was that loud enough? Yeah, I heard okay. it. I wasn't very loud on the yeah. sign. Sorry. Diet section? Trevor, you gotta be there. End of aisle seven. The hippo starts down an aisle. Doris shakes her head. That's the hippo walking away. Gotcha. There's more of them every day. Come on, Doris. I think it's kind of nice everybody mixing together. Hey, don't get me wrong. I don't mind a few coming in. We hear a crash from the back of the store. Without missing a beat, Doris picks up her public address mic. Oh, man. If only you had the, uh, the right? walkie-talkies. Right? You know what? Let me try it with these. C- clean up on aisle seven. The thing is, they start pushing all the regular people out, and pretty soon the whole place goes tuned. <laughs> That's what happened next door with the men's shop. An apprehensive look from Wendy. Interior, men's shop, day. Close on Richie's face, staring at the at a mirror. We hear... Son, I say, son, you look like a million bucks. I'm telling you, that thing suits you. Pull back to reveal Richie, standing in front of a full-length mirror, wearing a gaudy animated plaid tune suit, replete with huge lapels, a loud shirt, and a polka dot tie. The proprietor, Foghorn Leghorn, stands next to him with with a measuring tape around his neck. And at Richie's feet, we see Droopy Dog in a little tailor's coat, pinning his cuffs. There's a radio playing music in the corner. I can try. Can you do Droopy? Because if not, I got a Droopy. I mean, you can do Droopy if you want. I know your Droopy's pretty good. All right. It was. I haven't tried it in years. All right. Get it? Suits. You. Suits you. That's a joke, son. I keep pitching them and you keep missing them. Look, this isn't quite what I had in mind. Nonsense, boy. You'll tear up the town in no... You'll tear up the town in that thing. It's a real head turner. I know it turned my head. Guys. I'm going to do... What? What happened? Hey, guys. I'm having technical difficulties if you can hear me. I can hear you. Can you hear us? What happened? Okay, I'm back. <laughs> I couldn't hear anything for a minute. My phone rang, and it sends it to my computer, and everything <clears throat> got fucked up, and you guys went silent. Oh, okay. And everything was bad. Or do you want to say Richie's line again? Uh, where was I? Look, this isn't quite what I had in mind. Oh, 
Look, this isn't quite what I had in mind. Nonsense, boy. You'll tear up the town in that thing. It's a real head-turner. Soto to Droopy. I know it'd turn my head. I'm going to take your inseam, sir. Droopy whisks so his measuring... Well, he's Droopy. <laughs> Droopy whisks his measuring tape up Richie's pants leg. Richie reacts with a flinch. I haven't lost one yet, sir. <laughs> I'm she does, she doesn't know who Droopy is. There's no way she knows who Droopy mm. is. No. Or fuck her like I'm picturing like an Eeyore. Yeah, kind of. He's, he's the he's the original he's, Eeyore. He's a little dog, but he's a, um, but he's not but he's not he's not depressed. Shockingly, I I got he's a dog from Droopy's yeah, dog. He's not depressed yeah, or yeah, anything. I, he's not like I a depressive right character. I said that he's not a depressive character like Eeyore. He's just low key. I'm guessing this line of work doesn't work out for him since he's uh, an elevator operator a few years later. <laughs> no, that's right. Yeah, Spoiler. going up here. Angle, Wendy, who enters with her grocery bags, takes one look at Richie and bursts out laughing. Richie turns to her. He'd like to shoot her a glare, but instead he... You you know where the line break is. It really seems like he's going to say he'd like to shoot her. Yeah, it does. But instead he finds himself, himself, (laughs) himself smiling at her. After a few beats, Wendy stops giggling and smiles back. We slowly pan to the radio playing in the corner and hear... Now you know what happened... What? Oh. Now you know what happened when you tried to get those two McGuffey boys next door to stop fighting? Yes, Grandpa. They dipped my pigtails in the mud. Interior radio studio day. Jessica and another radio actor, an older man, read scripts in front of a mic. Because that's how radio Jessica works. Im- Jessica imitates the voice of a small child. Just remember, Missy, it's always <clears throat> it's always best to stay right in your own backyard and not get tangled up in other people's problems. You're right, Grandpa. From now on, I'll mind my own business. Doesn't matter if the trouble's next door or down the street or even on some other continent. That's my girl. <laughs> that means, like, we, we shouldn't worry about the Nazis. Yeah. <laughs> That's what they're talking about. Not our problem. You just let those Krauts do their thing. They're the British and the French's problem. Wow. That's so great. We hear organ music, and another announcer steps to the mic. This concludes another chapter of Life with Gramps. I would totally listen to that. The on-air light goes off. The actors start dispersing as Jessica, a bit confused, has a look at her script. (coughs) Interior. Otto's office. Day. Comfortable and roomy. A nameplate on the desk reads Otto Green, station manager. Otto is sitting there, tinkering with a metal box. There are dials, levers, and an antenna extending from the top. Levers. Yes. Where the hell are you from? He's from not the forties, England. <laughs> Extending from the top on the desk, I knew someone was going to call me out for saying levers as I was saying it. Because it's wrong. Uh, well, no, it's actually it's just different. Okay. It's how the English say it, and they invented the language. <clears throat> okay, no, we can't go with that, or else we would be spelling aluminum totally wrong. Uh, we'll be uh, saying actually, it wrong they too. They spell it the right way. It's, it's well, they don't spell it the way they say it though. They say yeah, they it. Do. No, they don't. They spell it aluminum. No. They say it aluminum. No, no they, Trevor, they spell it with Trevor, their eye. They do. 
and they and they're the ones that discovered it. So they're the ones that named it. So we dropped the I and changed the pronunciation. I used to be on I'm the, the aluminum bandwagon, but aluminium is correct. I looked it up. I'm surprised we didn't. No, put, I know. I just don't like it. I'm surprised we didn't put in an apostrophe in place of the I that we dropped. It's so very American of us. Or like a, a silent G. Yeah. Uh, where the fuck were we? Oh, um, and an antenna extending from the top. On the desk, we see a small model biplane with an antenna on its tail. Jessica knocks and enters. I'm sorry to bother you, Mr. <clears throat> Trevor Ubiato, I'm reading all this direction. What, uh, what kind of voice should I do? Is he a tune? No, he's a station manager. Okay. Uh, he should be German. Yeah. Nine. He should. Nine. Grab, uh, grab a look at this, doll cakes. That's your German? Not German at all. I didn't decide that he should be German. You two fuckers did. It's a little uh, little hobby of mine. You see? You control that little plane with radio waves just like the kind that carry that gorgeous voice of yours. Watch this. He picks up the box, crosses and opens. That wasn't a delay. That was me just being dumb. He picks up the box, crosses and opens the window, then pushes a couple of buttons. The plane's tiny electric motor starts emitting a high-pitched whirring sound. Clear for takeoff. He works a few levers. Levers. The plane spins around on the desk a few times, then careens into the phone and tumbles to the floor. Shrugs. Oh, well, took Edison two years for the light bulb. What can I do for you, Tuts? Oh, it's about life with Gramps. Yeah, real homespun stuff. Gives me a lump right here. I'm glad that they didn't clarify where Seth Lump was. I just, <laughs> I just pointed. We all know where I pointed. <laughs> we all sure do. Yes, but the scripts seem kind of strange, don't you think? Honey, when you read them, they're nothing but great. It's just, with that war in Europe, all these lines about how we should mind our own business and stay on our own continent, and yesterday when Gramps was teaching Billy to drive... How neutral is always the best. Sweetheart. <laughs> Sweetheart. You're thinking too much. It's just a radio show. Leads her to the door. Now, you go home and rest that pretty little voice of yours. Pinches her cheek. You're the best, doll. I got plans for you. Thanks, Mr. <laughs> what a fucking creep. <laughs> He's, he is creep cliche. Good Lord. Are you sure he's not a tune? <laughs> he is a cartoon of a creep. Did you say your line? Yeah. Oh, I didn't hear it. Say it again. Thanks, Mr. Green. We're going all the way, you and me. Right to the top. To the top of most of the popper most. <laughs> where's, where's the top, Johnny? <laughs> Jessica smiles, exits. Otto smiles after her, starts tinkering with the box again. What a gal. Top notch. Exterior apartment building. Night. Wait, Est- wait. Question: Is Jessica not a tune right now? No, she's a tune. Okay. Nothing about her has been like exaggerated or ridiculous. So I wasn't sure if it was like a she becomes a tune. I don't know. Oh no, she's never like. She's not a zany tune. Got it. She's just she's humanoid. Made out of ink and paint. Got yeah. it. She's not bad. She's just drawn that way. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Interior, Jessica and Wendy's apartment, night. Jessica and Wendy are in their bedroom. Ooh. 
Jessica is zipping up her roommate's dress. And Wendy's a human? Yeah, is this that's right? why I was confused. This is going to get hot. Mm, giving you a lump right there. <laughs> Jessica is zipping up her roommate's dress. I now have two. Jessica fr- has. I now have two front lumps. <laughs> Jessica has changed too, but her outfit is still quite conservative. Well, well, he's kind of cute. Well, well. Stop saying well. Sorry. He's okay. <laughs> he's kind of funny. Look, he can't be any worse than that moose you were dating. Oh, he wasn't that bad. At least I had a place to hang my coat. I really hope. <laughs> I really hope that they mean, you know, like that they're implying that it's um, um, his Rocky. antlers. No, Rocky. Oh yeah, maybe. Bullwinkle. Wait, Rocky was a squirrel. Bowwinkle. I'm sorry. Yeah. They crack up at this and continue getting dressed, giggling together. Interior: Richie and Roger's apartment. Night. Richie stands in front of the bedroom mirror, buttoning up his shirt. He calls to Roger through the bathroom door. Shake a leg, Roger. The movie starts at 8.30. I'm not going. (laughs) Look, Wendy set this whole thing up with her roommate, and if you don't go, nobody's going to go. Fine. I have a very full schedule anyway. I have to get up early to look for my mother. And besides, I'm waxing my ears and brushing my teeth. And I'm also naked. (laughs) I have a lump. (laughs) Come on, Roger. I'm sorry, but I refuse to do a scene in the same room as you. (laughs) It's really weird, just awkward putting my hand in front of my mouth. I'm sorry, but at this point, I'm immovable and unprobable. I don't have time for some stupid date with some stupid girl. Wendy says she likes you. (laughs) Angle, bathroom door. It slowly opens to reveal Roger who's fully dressed and all spruced up. (laughs) The tuft of hair between his ears is parted in the middle and slicked down with Vitalis. You think so? Exterior, movie theater, night. We are close on the theater's marquee. The main attraction is Wuthering Heights. Under the title, in smaller letters, is Flyboys of the Pacific. You know what, Sean? You You have a lot to read, and we really need... We need to go to a break. Yeah, let me, there's a lot of exposition here. Let me finish this description, and we'll go to break. Okay. We tilt down to the box office, where we see a couple buying a ticket. They step away to reveal another sign reading, Tunes in Balcony Only. <gasps> oh, shit. That's racist, you guys. All right. Take a break. You can just play the thing. Table Reads will return after this brief word from our sponsors. Touche El Duche. Sean McBee. Hey, it's Sean, and if you're not listening to our podcast, here's what you've missed. I ain't gonna hate on Axel. I just feel bad, you know. But he was in one of the baddest rock bands ever, so... Okay, look at him. Sitting in a chair with his broken leg and a dumb hat on. Yeah, he is literally... Fu- oh, God, dude. He's sitting the fuck down. I mean, he's even got one of those boots on that you can walk in, and he's like, fuck it, I'm sitting. It looks like Axel is a special kid who won a contest. Yeah. <laughs> this is his make-a-wish. Yes. A well-mannered group, I think. You notice their good manners right away. We have a new show up every Wednesday on RogueIntel.com. Or for more info, go to our website. Yeah, and go where? Where are we going to go? 
touchelduche.net. Maybe this is where Jeff gets ideas. Here at the Prime Podcast, we're dedicated about broadcasting professionalism. Like, really dedicated. Real quick, I know TJ's had to pee for quite a while. Do you need to take a break? Dude, I'm good. Are you sure? <laughs> so you pissed in your mason jar, is that what you're saying? Just keep going with the show. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you worry about where the bathroom oh, breaks are. I love your dedication. <laughs> hey, whatever it takes for the sake of the show, man. Listen more at theprimepod.com. TableReadsPodcast.com If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC. Lights, camera, action. So the movie's kaput, which means your script ain't worth the buffalo shit on a nickel. Now, now, back to Table Reads. Now part of the Rogue Intel Podcast Network. Interior, movie theater, night. We see a scene from a Disney cartoon featuring Mickey Mouse doing battle with a pair of errant squirrels. We hear laughter, lots of it, from the first row all the way back to the balcony, where seated in the first row we see Roger on the aisle laughing his head off. Pan right to Jessica and Wendy also laughing. Then finally a terrified Richie staring down at the main floor below clutching the armrests. Wendy turns to him, nudges his arm, <laughs> indicates the screen as if to say, funny, huh? Richie forces a weak laugh. <laughs> <laughs> they're watching Weathering Heights. No, they're watching cartoons. Oh, I thought it was. Nope. No, they're watching Weathering Heights, Sean. Yeah. Now they are, but that last scene they weren't. Okay, they were watching a Mickey right. Mouse cartoon. That would have been funny if Roger was laughing his head off to Weathering Heights. <laughs> That would have been funny, but that's not what happened. <laughs> I'm sorry. I thought that's what they were setting up because I was trying to find music, better music, and I wasn't listening to you. Interior movie theater, night. Wuthering Heights is now in progress. Kathy and Heathcliff are romping in the heather. She leads him up the hill, and they share a kiss. Angle, balcony. Richie is growing increasingly uncomfortable. Roger has been watching the romance unfold on the screen. Across the aisle, he sees a teenager faking a yong, putting his extended arm around his date, who cuddles up to him. Roger considers this, steals a look over at Jessica, then yawns, extends his right arm, and slowly slides it behind Jessica's seat. Wow. Widened to include the four of them, as well as a rather prissy-looking woman, 40-ish, who sits on the other side of Richie. After a few beats, Roger arm, Roger's arm appears from behind a seat. Unfortunately, he's overshot his mark and puts his arm around the woman's shoulder. She quickly turns to Richie, who's already on the verge of panic, and slaps him in the face. Yeah! People react as Richie leaps up, barges towards the aisle. Excuse me, I'm, I, I gotta go. Exterior, movie theater, night. Richie is sitting on the curb, his hands at his sides, taking a few deep breaths. 
Wendy comes outside, walks over to him. Are you okay? Yeah, I, I just wanted to grab some popcorn. Oh. The snack bar's inside. I don't think they deliver. <sighs> Look, the thing is, I have kind of a problem with heights. We should have picked a great movie then, didn't we? A big problem or a little problem? Hey, Kelly, can, oh, you, hey. Kelly, can you get a little closer to the mic? Yeah. Thanks, sorry. Oh, hey, there's, there's nothing to it. Nothing at all. It's only screwed up my whole life. Interior, red car, night, moving. Richie sits in the back row, looking out the window as the red car makes its way up the street. Wendy sits next to him. The other pilots said he could do things with a plane that nobody else could. It was like, when he got into the cockpit, he just became a part of it. In one summer, he shot down 19 German fighters. Wow, I guess that's good. He married a nurse sanctioned in England, and I was born at the base. It's perfect, right? I even came into the world at a goddamn airport. He went down over France a few weeks later. I'm sorry. Richie, there's no law that says you have to follow in his footsteps. You can do anything you want. You can be just as good. Don't you get it? It is what I want. I wanted to fly before I could walk, and I can't even sit in a balcony. I guess that's why I came to Hollywood. If I couldn't be a hero for real, maybe I could do it in the movies. That's the trick out here, isn't it? Making a sissy look good? I don't think you're a sissy. I think you're a real nice guy. Well, that's what you get for thinking. I'm gonna walk. What a dickhole. Yeah, wow, Richie. Fuck you, too. I'm Doug, and I'm out of here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm out of here. Good old Richie Doug. hops off the red car, leaving Wendy alone. Exterior, street, night. As Richie starts walking up the block, the red car keeps moving to reveal Roger and Jessica sitting on the back bumper, along with a few other tunes. Oh, they're not allowed inside. That's fucked, um, man. Second-class citizens. Exterior, red car, night, moving. An awkward beat, as neither of them is quite sure what to say. So, did you like the movie? Oh, yes. I especially enjoyed the part where Heathcliff ran up to the hill and got his head stuck in that beehive. Roger, I think you're mixing it up a little with the Mickey Mouse cartoon. You know... I don't see why you're not in the movies. He quickly turns away, a bit embarrassed by his boldness. Oh, I could never do anything like that. I mean, look at me. Okay. <laughs> he gazes at her. She becomes... <laughs> I mean, look at me. Okay, I love that. Why wouldn't you? <laughs> you're in tune. You'd, his whole body he turns into a giant eyeball. <laughs> He gazes at her. She becomes a little self-conscious, but after a while, she finds herself gazing at him as well. Gotta think for rabbits, huh? Another (laughs) angle. They continue gazing at each other, sitting amongst other tunes as the red card disappears into the night. Exterior, Paramount Studio Gate. Day. The gate is bustling. 
Cars, people moving in and out. A nicely dressed Richie approaches, holding some script pages in one hand. He practices reading to himself as he passes a 50-ish guard who stands next to a small kiosk. I'm scared, Father Feeney. I'm so scared. I'm scared, Father Feeney. I'm so scared. Hey, Clark Gable, you going someplace? I'm reading for a part. Name? Dick Dunn. Oh, horrible. You like it? Yeah, it's great. Say hello to Irene. Check's clipboard. <laughs> Casting, building 17. Exterior, studio lot, day. Richie walks past a few sound stages, practicing his lines with increasing distortion. I'm scared, Father Feeney. I'm so scared. <laughs> oh, good. I was going the right direction, playing him as a bad actor. <laughs> he continues on, oh, passing you, oh, a single story. You were, you were playing. Okay. Thanks, yes. Thanks for clarifying. Yes. I mean, I, I know I'm a bad actor. <laughs> but I'm not that bad. Actually, every time you do it, I, I, and it says Richie, I just think of fucking Michael Rappaport sitting in that office. <laughs> oh, yeah. Where the hell did he come from? I don't know. He just appeared like magic. <laughs> well, get him. <laughs> don't just sit there, man. Sh- shoot him. <laughs> oh, You're a very talented actor. That was great. <laughs> Next And the best part is he gets the part <laughs> um, He continues on Passing single story numbered buildings Marked wardrobe, music, etc Finally stopping at a larger Stucco building He looks over at a wall, sees a sign Which reads building 17 Casting An arrow points ominously upward <laughs> Richie reacts Then slowly looks up Ominously Rickety wooden stairs on the side of the building snake up four flights. At the top, we can see a door with a casting shingle hung over it. Good night, Sean. And Richie just stares at it in disbelief. A moment, then a ten-year-old girl carrying a script comes up behind him, followed by her mother, a woman of 40. Excuse me, mister. I figure I got a really good voice for a little girl. Yeah. <laughs> The girl bounds effortlessly up the stairs. Her mom follows. One step at a time, young lady. Richie reacts to this, takes a deep breath, then begins his climb. He makes his way to the first landing with relative ease, pauses a moment, then continues. Another angle. As Richie approaches the second landing, step by step, he's almost there. Suddenly, two men hurry down the stairs. Excuse us, buddy. The men go to Richie's right, forcing him to the outward side of the stairway. He can't help but look out, and then down. Richie's POV. The ground below him blurs, then seems to rise up toward him. (laughs) Richie throws himself back against the wall, his arms stretched out, frozen in panic. Ingle, casting door. As an exasperated casting director in his 40s leads a young actor out the door. Look, I'm sorry, but you're just not it. I'm looking for somebody who can play scared. Show some goddamn fear. Guy's got to be out there somewhere. What the fuck was that? Paul Lind. Duh. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Looks down, sees the quivering. Kid, you here for the prison part? (laughs) It's even funnier if you have Paul Lind. Yes! (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I am! 
Think you can show me some real terror? I believe so, sir. Okay. Give me the line. <laughs> I'm scared, Father Feeney. I'm so scared. Bigger. I'm scared, Father Feeney. I'm so scared. Bigger. I'm scared, Father Feeney. I'm shitting in my pants. I'm so freaking scared. Ah. The casting director reacts. Center square. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Interior, apartment, night. The door swings open and Richie enters, filled with excitement. I got it! I got it! This is it! Whee! Angle. <laughs> I can't believe we just had to read your door slam. Whee. It was a door slam sound effect there. You weren't just like, you know, hitting a fucking landmine. <laughs> I got it! Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, it says slam's door. I was just yeah. doing it. Yeah, Angle, Roger. <laughs> Standing by the small dinette table, wearing a little apron, his arms crossed. The table is set. A meal sits on it. I got it, Roger. I got the part. It's only one line. But once they see my stuff, I'm in like Flynn. You're late. Dinner was at six. Okay, that's Spongebob. Yeah, sorry. And plus, there's like a real delay. I heard that like in, in your headphones or something, but like five seconds later. Yeah. It's angry. Uh, oh, yeah, I got hung up at the studio. Wardrobe, stuff like that. I see. Well, it's cold now anyway. I may as well throw it in the garbage. Starts to clear. I don't even know why I bother skimping and saving, trying to prepare a decent meal for my loved ones. Roger. I even made your favorite dish, spaghetti and mothballs. Meatballs. Oh, sure. Criticize. <laughs> it's all you can do. Roger buries his head in his hands, sniffling. A beat. No luck today, huh? I'm never going to find her, Richie. Hey, you've only been looking a few days. No. My search is over. Fini, kaput, sayonara. That's all, folks. Come on, Roger. You know your mom's out there somewhere. You can't just give up. You gotta keep trying. Stick with it. Keep your ears to the grindstone. Are you about to sing a fucking song? Richie realizes he's caught Roger's speech pattern, as does Roger. <laughs> they smile at each other. Thanks, Richie. You can't just give up. You gotta keep trying. Stick with it. Keep your ears to the grindstone. <laughs> Thanks, Richie. Sure. Look, I, I gotta get to bed. I have a six o'clock call. Not to worry. I'll make sure you get a perfect night of slumber. I'll plump your pillow, warm your milk, count your sheep, fluff your penis. <laughs> Unnecessary. It says fluff your dot dot. Oh, jeez. I, I sleep like a stiff. A stiff what? I'll never wake no. up without an alarm clock. <laughs> Dashing outdoor. Say no more, Rumi. I'll be back with one in the tick of a talk. Interior bedroom night. Close on Roger, asleep, snoring. We slowly pan to Richie, also asleep, then to the bedside table, upon which we see a tune alarm clock, which has evidently been purchased in Toontown. It has the standard twin bells, along with a small double door underneath the hands. 
A moment, then the minute hand hits the hour. It's 5 a.m. The doors swing open and Tweety Bird emerges with a small hammer. His name wasn't He strikes Tweety Bird, the bells. Then. Sorry. It always pisses me off. This his, ha- his name wasn't Tweety Bird then. Go ahead. Tweety Pie. It was Tweety Pie. Yeah. But Sorry, go he's ahead. describing to a modern viewer. Yeah, I know. Who it would be. Which may, which, yeah, because he wasn't, uh, he, he wasn't yellow, I think, in 47. Actually, he may have been, may have been but anyway. It's weird because in the movie they drew him as Clampett's Tweety, which was not yellow. Anyway, go ahead. Sorry. Wait, what? This has no. Originally? Sort of like a he was naked. flesh tone. Yeah, he was, he was a baby bird, so he was a literal baby bird, you know, naked. Ew. And then they. I don't like that. The censors were like, he looks naked. And they were like, well, yeah, that's the point. So they, yeah, so they made him a canary. <laughs> this has no effect on Richie, who continues sleeping. Tweety gives him a look. <laughs> Us saying all that stuff has no effect clock, on Richie. <laughs> then goes back into the clock and emerges as a one-man band. He plays a John Philip Sousa march. Still nothing. I am not going to be able to handle Tweety. I can't be Tweety. Actually, you can be Tweety. So he wants to play hardball. Oh, my God. I should have done Tweety. It's the best I could do. It was all right, I guess. I mean, Mel Blanc has Tweety. to pitch it up, so I guess, you know. Yeah. Tweety exits inside the clock again, this time returning with a giant stick of tune dynamite. He strikes a match on the bedpost and lights the fuse. Exterior, Toontown Street, dawn. In the background, we see Richie and Roger's real building. The sun is rising. A rooster crows, followed shortly by a huge explosion. There's a burst of light inside their window, then... Rise and shine! Exterior, apartment building, day. The front door opens and Richie emerges, still in a state of shock. He starts down the sidewalk as Wendy appears in her living room window. She raps on the glass, opens it. What is she, a raven? Hi, stranger. Don't tell me you're going to church. Studio, I got a part. They're shooting on the weekends. Hey, congratulations. Jessica got me one too. I'm screaming on Life with Gramps today. <laughs> I love that. Uh, yeah, that's great. Listen, about the other night. Forget it, it's no big deal. <laughs> if you want, I could make us some dinner later. You must be getting tired of spaghetti and mothballs. I don't know. This could go kind of late. I can wait. Maybe some other time, you he wanna, said. You wanna, an idiot. You want to wow. talk, talk about being in like Flint. Right? She's like, you know, can't do anything about the spaghetti and meatballs, but uh, I got something you can eat. <laughs> Just saying. Hey, what's the deal here? You liked me fine before. Look, I'm sorry I found out your big, dark secret. (laughs) Let's drop it, okay? I'll tell you one of mine and we'll be even. Spiders. I'm afraid of spiders. Nothing from Richie. I can't spell. I shoplifted once. And finally, I wore falsies to the prom. A passerby stops and (laughs) they exchange looks. Well, I did. Exterior, Paramount Studios Gate, day. People are arriving for work. The guard sits in the kiosk, opening his morning paper as Richie passes him on his way in. Hey, you're back. Yeah, I got the part. 
Congratulations, stage 13. Points to the calendar on the wall. Remember this date, kid. Your first day in showbiz. November 18th? Richie shakes his head and walks away. The guard reacts, turns back to the calendar. Smart ass. The guard tears away a few pages on the calendar to reveal the true date, December 7th, 1941. Oh, it's D-Day. <coughs> bum, bum, bum. Or not D-Day, it's Pearl Harbor Day. Are we close so, on time, speaking of? Because there's a lot of expo coming. Actually, yeah, we, uh, we are at minute 59. Well, you know what? Let's wrap it up with the revelation that this is about to turn into a war movie. Okay. Surprise! I didn't see that coming. Much like a blowjob. There's going to be like a whole lot of like uh, Jap slander coming up. Oh, I can't Just wait. The tunes are going to side with the Japanese. I can't wait. Fade out. I mean, okay, guys, we're like half, I mean, we're not halfway through, but we're like a good, decent way, and it still doesn't suck. That is true. This shit keeps being decent. I mean, the stuff we read for the first part was better than this stuff, but there hasn't been anything that's made me, like, groan at all. Mm-mm. It almost isn't fun. But it's a very nice change of pace. (laughs) Trevor, any words to say from you? I am wondering what happened to the outro. Because for some reason it's not on the board here. Oh, Trevor's also having testicle difficulties. Trevor screwed it up. That's what he does so um, I just want to say anyone who needs to buy stuff on Amazon don't just go to amazon.com go to rogueintel.com slash Amazon you get everything for the same great price but you know what us and our friends here at rogueintel.com Get helped out financially every time that you shop at rogintel.com slash Amazon. I've updated my bookmarks for Amazon to go to that page, and now everything that I buy gets a little kickback for the network and helps us all out. So do the same, and we'll all love you, even though we've never met you and never will meet you and would probably not talk to you if we did. I mean, more like they wouldn't talk to us. No, no, they love us. Hmm. They're they're not listening to this because we're entertaining. If they're listening, it's because they like us, obviously. Or just me. Yeah. Hey, did you get any more uh, followers? Oh, wait, never mind. (laughs) That last episode where you uh, told people to get in touch with you. Uh, If they found you through this site That hasn't, or through this podcast That hasn't aired yet We haven't put that up yet Alright, I was going to say no and it's depressing So That one is going up uh, This coming week Alright, I'll be on the lookout Yeah, uh, you should listen to it I know you've never listened to an episode of this show 
Um, I have, just never an entire episode. See, there's the problem. We can't even keep our co-hosts' attention for the whole episode. Well, I get an A for effort, right? Sure. Hey, Trevor, did you get your stuff working? Um, let's He's- let's say for the purposes of the edit that I did. Trevor doesn't edit, so when you hear this next uh, this outro come in just perfectly know that that's because trevor's on top of his shit right now live and in the moment (laughs) so uh kelly anything to say or plug or do or nope i'm out all right everybody we'll see you next week the voice of table reads is art carlson hey that's kind of meta meta This podcast was created by Sean McBee and produced by Ferris Wheelhouse. FerrisWheelhouse.net Fuck. Cut to black.